Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? Hello and welcome back to episode 33 of the Turbo Team Podcast. I'm Jake Brand, as always alongside me today, Ben Neeson and Alex Powell. How are you guys today? Doing just just fine, Jake. Coughing it up, doing the usual. How's the old COVID, Ben? Uh, I kind of think this is fake. I mean, I feel fine, honestly. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm the spinning image of health. I don't think... I think this is all a lie, honestly. They're just trying to keep me inside. Report confirmed. Ben Neeson is a COVID denier. Spread the news. I'm not a COVID denier. I'm just saying it doesn't exist. Ben's a COVID denier. No, you... (laughs) What? For all people at home that can't track sarcasm, COVID-19 is is very real and very alive. Just like... Yeah, I was was doing air quotes that entire time. Just like in The Sound of Metal, which is the film that we watched today. Which is a 2020-2019, it's kind of confusing because it was supposed to come out last year, but it was released on in theaters on November 20th and was released on Amazon Prime December 4th. It's a film directed by Darius Martyr starring Riz Ahmed, Olivia Cook, Dakota Johnson, and Paul Racky. Those are really like the only four actors. Well, Dakota actors. Johnson wasn't in Dakota Johnson wasn't in this. Yeah, she was. I don't know why she. I don't know why she, she's listed on the cast. He turned it down or whatever. Was oh. she supposed to play? Was she supposed to play Lou? Probably. Okay. Oh yeah, I was thinking of her as Diane. So there's really only three like characters that really had any dialogue in this movie. I guess that wasn't supposed to be something about like how everyone else is deaf, but came up as that. <laughs> That would have been funny. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Ben will take us through his synopsis of it, but yeah, there's not a lot of dialogue. So Ben, take us through the synopsis. <laughs> yeah, and you can tell right now. Okay, this is off the top and dome. Oh, Ruben is As a drummer and one... Is. What? <laughs> As it always is. I don't think you've written one in weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but other ones have... Uh... I just read off of Wikipedia. This one I'm uh, making up on the spot. I feel like this is because this is the movie you actually watched compared to some of the last ones. <laughs> I've actually watched them. It's just an easier plot. Anyways, Ruben <laughs> is a drummer and one half of the metal group Backgammon, of which the singer is his girlfriend, Lou. They live in an RV and tour across the country. In the middle of a tour in which uh, Ruben starts to be afflicted uh, with uh, losing his hearing, uh, he goes to a pharmacy to figure it out, and the doctor says that he's going deaf and that he'll need implants or he'll need to adapt to his new lifestyle and stay away from loud noises. Uh, Lou, after hearing this, uh, demands that Ruben gets help since he is also a former addict and is worried about him relapsing. Um, he... The two go to visit a addict uh, center for the deaf, which Ruben initially dislikes and wants to leave. But Lou convinces him to stay for in order for to uh, for his well. So they stay. So she agrees to leave him so Ruben can focus on himself and his new um, abilities so that he can get better. Uh, Ruben begins to begin his new life uh, at the center. And then after a while, though, he sees that Lou starts to be performing again. So to rejoin her, he sells his RV and all of his equipment to afford implant surgery in which he's kicked out of the deaf center for turning his back on them. And he returns to Lou, who now lives with her father overseas. Uh, Once he asks uh, her if she'd like to start touring again, he can see that she is visibly distressed and changes the subject, saying that it's okay and that he'll leave. And then it ends with him uh, sitting on a bench, taking out his implants and accepting the silence that he lives in. All right, so that's the movie. Podcast over. Yeah.
save you an Amazon Prime subscription. Yeah, thank you for listening to episode 33 of the Turbo Team Podcast. <laughs> the review is just what happened. <laughs> ben just knocked that synopsis out of the park. Yeah, so with all due respect. They, with all what? So, all right, Mr. Cupcake Guy. You're the one that wanted to watch this movie. What would you think of it? I'm busy right now. <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. Co-host Ben Neeson eating a cupcake on the pod. I expected you guys about my review, not to turn around and make me talk more. Yeah, always anyways, keep your toes, man. Your arrogance has misled you. Nice fake Star Wars quote, Jake. What? <laughs> <laughs> review the movie, Ben. That's under the- <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for this a while ago, a couple months ago or something. And obviously, uh, I'm a fan of uh, music, uh, musicians, of metal. I don't know if you guys like metal music at all. Instruments, but I was really... chords, composition, notes. <laughs> <laughs> and the arrangement of such. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was really interested in the film. Uh I wasn't extremely sure about like what it would be about because the trailer only showed like honestly like the first 15 minutes of the film. You just show show him touring and then him freaking out realizing that he's deaf and I thought that was a very interesting premise. And when you're watching the film, it initially is seeing them live about their life for the first 20 minutes of the film. And then it's revealed that he used to be an addict and that this is uh, an even more precarious situation because they don't have a whole lot of money. This is their way of life. And now they need to stop that. And this could be bad for Ruben because it might cause him to relapse. And just the fact that he's now resistant to this new way of life and him coming to terms with and eventually accepting that, I thought that was a, that this was a very interesting take. Uh, an interesting way for a film to show adapting to a new way of life like that in an extreme sort of circumstances where it's everything that your life is is hearing and then like that's gone and how do you deal with that i thought ruz ahmed's performance was really good for being the basically the only main character in this i I guess lou was a pretty main character in the beginning and then joe kind of towards the middle but for the most part it's just following uh ruben rizamit's character and i thought his performance was really good especially the scenes where in the beginning where he's going deaf and he's reacting to that and he's he's trying to come to terms with it i think that i thought he gave a really really good performance and it was it's fun to watch i wasn't really knowing i didn't really know what to expect going into this movie i wasn't like super excited to watch it just because I don't know, the plot seemed kind of weird, but Riz Ahmed's performance really caught my eye, so I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Riz Ahmed, most famously known for his performance in Venom, was uh, very, very good in this movie. More than a Rogue One. This is kind of his first, like, lead role, isn't he? He's kind of like a sidekick character in most films. Rogue One, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler, his... His literal role was like that you've seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought Riz was incredible in this performance, and I thought what he um really nailed was like the facial expressions. Obviously, because the movie was about him going deaf, so he couldn't he couldn't really communicate with his words. That was kind of the point of the movie. But I thought like with his his facial expressions, uh, like just how he moved his body when he was angry uh battling kind of almost relapse he didn't end up relapsing but kind of like showing the battle against um addiction i thought he did a really good job almost it almost seemed like a method acting type of performance where it felt like he was completely living the whole experience which i thought was really good and obviously isn't really easy to replicate Yeah, method actor. He really shot up heroin and then gave himself deafness on purpose. You know what I meant, Ben. No, I don't. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, Riz Ahmed actually went deaf for this movie. 
<laughs> dude, I didn't hear this about this until afterwards, but <laughs> did you know that Jared Leto like uh, lived blind for like two or three weeks before filming Blade Runner 2049? Oh, yeah, Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the movie for like four minutes. <laughs> did you ever see, did you see, yeah, he's not in that movie for a while. Did you see that story or do you know who Matthew Morrison is? No. No. So he was like, he played like the coach on Glee. He does like Broadway and stuff. But he said in an interview that Joaquin's perform, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in Joker, uh, was his inspiration for his performance on a live action uh, Grinch Broadway uh, <laughs> musical. <laughs> I've seen ads for that. Aren't they doing like a live? thing on nbc or whatever yeah it's probably one of the stupid fucking things nbc always does <laughs> all every winter <laughs> that's not funny <laughs> well like uh when they're in the studio and talking about well how do we how do we make this grinch different than other grinches how do we make him more gritty than like past grinches have been <laughs> he murders three frat boys on a on a subway <laughs> Like, I don't know, maybe we give him, like, a funny laugh or something to, like, show that maybe he's, like, twisted and stuff like that, and then him in the booth. <laughs> <laughs> the Grinch is stealing Christmas, and you're laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> I should make that a button. <laughs> Alright, we need to get back to Sound of Metal. Uh, that laugh while he's kicking uh, Sam or whatever. <laughs> so, another thing that I liked about this movie was the way it depicted loss. It like looking back to Mr. Pulaski, friend of the program, AP Psychology, the what? the five stages of grief. I can't really remember all of them in order, but it's denial, in some order like depress, like depression, whatever. But I thought that I probably could have done more research on that before talking about it. <laughs> but I thought that the way that the story like depicted the grief of like at the beginning he like completely denied that he was like losing his hearing like even if he was he's like oh no I can still drum I can still do this and when he went out on stage I guess we can talk about it a little later in our favorite scenes but when he went out on stage and realized that he couldn't drum anymore and kind of had like a mini panic attack outside he had to accept the fact that like his hearing was never going to be back to normal and then he kind of went through that stage again when he went to Joe's rehab center. And I just thought like the entire development of his character there went from denying that he lost his hearing to kind of embracing it and realizing that like, even though he can't hear, he's still part of a community of people. And I mean, I'm obviously not deaf, but I've read a couple articles and read a couple reviews that said that like this movie was very like good and inspiring for the deaf community because they don't really get a lot of representation in Hollywood. And I think that it does go to show a lot that like just because people might be deaf doesn't mean like they're any less of a person or and like they don't deserve to be a part of a community. So I thought the way it depicted that was really good um, just for a person like me to be able to see what it's like to be deaf more than just like whatever we hear through other people. Yeah. Uh, I think personally, I would consider this a climax. I don't know. It's either this or when he actually gets the surgery, but the scene where Joe and uh, Ruben are talking and Joe is saying, uh, you know, he's like, I teach, you know, the children and everyone here that being deaf isn't a disability it's like it's just like the way you are you know there's nothing wrong with that and you kind of uh broke that rule when you got that surgery which uh was even more disappointing to joe because so many people in this so many of the kids and so many of the other patients there were like not necessarily looked up well the kids looked up to ruben but some of the patients yeah some of the patients uh you know really cared for him they're really they're really good friends of his so the scene where where Joe's saying I have to kick you out now because you kind of broke my rule and that's something I can't go back on. I felt that scene was really really you know emotional in a way and the way Ruben you could tell kind of was realizing what he just did 
Uh, and then he just said, yep, okay, and he got up and left without having it showing any real emotion. I just thought that scene was really powerful and kind of throughout the whole movie, Ruben's kind of, Jake, you're talking about, you know, the seven stages of grief or whatever. The whole movie, Ruben is still in the denial stage, literally all up until the very, very last scene, I think, because it looks like he's like accepting. He's like, oh, I'm deaf now. He's learning sign language. He's communicating with everyone through like touch and whatever. And he's becoming a part of this deaf community they have there. But obviously still in the back of his mind, the uh, that surgery, the repair of the cones in his ears or whatever is still there. And so I don't he think that over to over the denial stage. Yeah. He never got over the denial stage until that very end where he takes the hearing aids or whatever off and kind of is like, all right, I'm deaf. Like this is who I am now. There's nothing wrong with that. So, I it was it was a good movie. I I actually did really enjoy it, mostly because of Rizaman's performance. But it it did say a lot. Um, neither one of, none of us are deaf. I don't know any deaf people, but I assume it this was a pretty powerful movie for a deaf community. You know. Uh, he like that whole taking out the implants at the end. That was because uh, the entire film he'd been leading up to and expecting that he could get his life back to what it was, yeah. whether that was like with the surgery, which he thought would bring it back to normal. But obviously, when he got them put on, he realized that things wouldn't sound the same again. And I think visiting Lou, uh, hearing her sing and after we hear like the actual audio from it and then what we hear what he is, which also I forgot to mention, the sound design in this is amazing. It kind of has to be though, you know, since they're all yeah. deaf. It but, really puts yeah, you. Cool. <laughs> it really puts you into what they're experiencing, and like mm-hmm. I think it was like the first five minutes they had like a tinnitus ringing going on in the background, and I was like, ah, oh, this is gonna suck if I just have to hear like tinnitus ringing the entire time. But no, they changed that, and I think that was good to show that like it was ever present in that peaceful like morning scene when they were getting set up. But ever since he heard about the implants and then wanted to go back and visit with Lou, he realized that he was just trying to work towards getting his old life back. But hearing that, uh, hearing her sing and hearing it in an altered way there just sounds like robotic. It doesn't even sound human. It just sounds like nothing close to what reality actually is. I think it was him realizing that he is not going to be able to get that life back. So he realized that he had to leave Lou so she could, like, figure out and move on with her own art and figure her own things out because he wouldn't be able to be there for her. Lou's character kind of was really interesting, too, because... You know, in the beginning, there's this, you know, this metal band. There's this heavy metal rock band. You know, it's touring all over the country. Just the two of them live together in this busted RV. You know, and all their livelihoods in this, you know, this old rusted RV. And, uh, and then by the end, you know, uh, Lou's living like this pretty like prestige lifestyle in France with their, you know, aristocrat aristocrat father or whatever. And her appearance is completely different. She's not dressing in old baggy t-shirts and she cut her hair. So her hair is actually short and clean and fancy. And she doesn't have blonde eyebrows anymore. But uh, so I think Lou's character arc really, when the whole thing happened to Ruben, she kind of realized like, oh, this isn't who I am anymore. I kind of need to grow up in a way. So she grew up and kind of became the girl her father wanted her to be. But I thought her character arc was really interesting. I don't know if that was it. I mean, she was still doing her performances because Ruben checked uh, his band's like forum page and it showed her performing solo, and she was still doing her. Yeah, but if you like, if you in that clip that showed like her hair was still long, her eyebrows were still dyed, she's still dressed in the clothes, like yeah, she wasn't she the same person that he met at the very end, you know. But that, that's how I took it, at least. Obviously, it's open for it's probably open for interpretation. But uh, you guys have any more positives, or do you want to get into negatives? Um, something that was kind of co- something that was kind of cool was uh, you talked about how this film was represented in the deaf community, or you had read that. That's because like a lot of the actors were from the deaf community, 
Like there were A-listers who auditioned to be uh, play the role of Joe, but the director wanted someone who was like authentic and hadn't been living this life, and like that's what a lot of the other actors in the show and on that little reserve were. Yeah, that's where I think I respect the movie the most was it. It's not just like a cheap money grab. Well, I guess in the first place, it's an indie movie, which isn't really ever a cheap money grab. But I think it makes it even more respectable and shows like the intention, the intentionality by it, um, by Martyr to make it representative and make it almost a like a rock for the deaf community, just like a movie that they can always have a movie that might be able to start even more of a representation in Hollywood for them. A rock community. <laughs> Dwayne. Uh, uh, before we get any negatives, uh, one more positive I had, I thought the movie was shot and colored really well. I thought there's a lot of really pretty looking shots. Well, the big color, color guy. The COVID guy, where's Ben? I've COVID. Uh, yeah. So I just thought it, I thought it was shot really well. It was shot like an indie movie, which I always seem to enjoy. So, uh, any negatives you guys have? Shut up. Ben. <laughs> uh, I thought it was too long. I guess I won't just say yeah. that. I thought it was too long, and they still didn't go in depth enough. I think on the loss and addiction side of things. What so do you mean? You like, wanted to see him relapse, or like what? Not necessarily, because I think he did relapse in a way. I think it it wasn't towards drugs and alcohol, but I think the like object permanence and like object addiction did. Like I think he filled that with like getting his RV back, getting his drumming back, getting the band back. I think those were definitely addictions to him, even if it wasn't was, like yeah. drugs and alcohol. Yeah. The scene where the scene where he sees Lou performance on, you know, the internet and then he sells everything in the RV to get the money for the operation. I think that was his relapse, you know, was seeing her up performing again and kind of the addict in him kind of came out then, even if it wasn't towards drugs and alcohol. Because Joe said that, like he was like, You sound like an addict right now. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, it I th- my negative is I think it could have said more with less. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I would I would agree with you, Jake. I thought it was too long. I didn't think it needed to be two hours. I think like an hour and a half would have made a really solid movie. There's definitely some parts I could have cut out. I thought it was really jumpy too. Like one part that really stuck out for me was the scene where it's the first time Joe like sent him to that study and he's supposed to write down his feelings and instead he's just punching the walls and like punching the donut down on the desk, smashing the donut on the desk. And he's just like screaming, being like, I can't believe he's making me do this. And then the very next scene is him with these kids, like signing perfectly and having a fun time. It just didn't make sense to me. I felt like, you know, there's something in between that it should have been. And uh, right after Joe kicked him out and then all of a sudden he's back and like across the seas, like Paris or whatever to see Lou like, I felt that, like, there's definitely something in between there that we missed, too. I just felt the whole movie was kind of jumpy. Well, I, got, I, got, I got some defenses for that. I mean, I think it wasn't supposed to be him being outraged at that moment. I think that was him just not being able to come to terms with himself and not being able to sit in silence and have some time for self-reflection. He, like, wanted distractions. He wanted to be up early. He wanted to be out doing something. So out at class with the kids instead of having to be alone and deal with his own current state. And then, I mean, him getting kicked out from Joe. I mean, at this point, like, where else would he really go besides go to see Lou now? Since that was like originally what he was wanting to do. And he can't stay or anything. So why not just go right there? He didn't have any money. He doesn't have any money. How did he get an overseas ticket? You know, that's what I'm saying. You get flown over by Ralph or whatever his name is, the dad. Yeah, they did say that know. Ralph had a Richard. bunch of money. Yeah, but I don't know. I just, I, but still, like, we shouldn't have to like, like, communicate what happened. You know, I feel like it should just be pretty obvious what happened. That's my biggest gripe with it. Uh, that's all I had. I just felt this, kind of, the editing, I guess, wasn't very good or the continuality. Uh, Ben, do you have any negatives? I mean, 
<laughs> I don't know about dislikes, but yeah, I mean, there's some. Well, yeah, I didn't really think about it because I honestly don't have any that like stand out right. Because this film is definitely something that you want to be in the right mindset for because it knows what it is and it delivers it. Like, Jake, you said that you wanted it to do more with less. And I think that like sort of contemplative aspect of it was necessary because that's what it was going for. I wanted to sit with the silence. It wasn't supposed to be a super eventful or aggressive film in any means. And I thought that it did its job fine. And I have like maybe some negatives, but like maybe it would have been for more actors or anything like that. But this film is carried by Riz Ahmed. So it's not like that's nothing that I can really fault it for since that's what it was purposely built around. Mm-hmm. So from what, it's, from what it's set out to achieve and whether you agreed with it or not, I think it did it. So to like kind of counter that, I would say I do agree that like what they did was fine, but I think like if they're trying to make like an Oscar run, which I think it probably has a chance just in a weaker year. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it's not everything has to go for the Oscars. I know. Uh, but if they are, I feel like they could have done just like a little bit more with the story to make that run. And I know that's probably not the entire intent behind the movie. Oh, I had one more negative. Uh, when they were signing, I didn't know what they were saying at all. I don't speak sign language. <laughs> I, I wish they would have. They need to fix that. I wish they would have had a translation underneath, you know. But <laughs> yeah, that was that was another because they're like signing. I was like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, I can kind of get context <laughs> clues, but like, I don't you, know what you're saying. You to the screen were like pointing at your ears, like. Yeah. Say something. I don't speak. Sign they were language. saying the person watching this movie can't read sign language. Yeah, what if they're just making fun of us the whole time for the guys <laughs> who don't know sign? Can't wait for the <laughs> podcast to review this. And they're just making fun of the viewers in general. <laughs> yeah, Riz Ahmed's just like, yeah, those Turbo Team idiots are gonna have a field day with this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. Do you guys have a? Do you guys have any more negatives, or do you want to get into a favorite scene? I already uh, said kind of reference to yours, yeah. Which was like the final performance he had before he just kind of melted down and had a panic attack. I thought it was just it was raw. It was I think the best mm-hmm. piece of acting that Riz had in this film, and I think like that alone. Ben said it, uh, this film was kind of centered around Riss's performance, so I think naturally, the part where his performance was best is my favorite scene. And I'm a mm-hmm. I love drums. Big drum guy. Big drum guy. Ben? Um, my favorite scene probably has to be um, when Ruben came to tell Joe that he had or had the surgery done and that he'd liked money he would like some money to buy a ticket or he was asking if he can stay for a couple of days I think that like that really brought out honestly the two central performances of the whole film so Yeah, uh, that is, yeah, I had another one on deck. That was probably my favorite scene, too, but since you picked that, I think I like the very, very last scene where he's kind of walking in that park, and then he finally sits down and takes out his hearing aids, and he's just looking around, you know, almost uh, taking in the silence in a way. I thought that was I thought that was the best way to end this movie. I thought it was a fantastic ending to it and really tied the whole thing together, and it was, it was nice kind of seeing Ruben kind of come to terms with his life now, and he definitely seemed at peace in that moment, knowing like it's like he like they said before, it's not a disability. It's just kind of a way of life, you know. And I, I felt it was a very very good way to end the movie, and it was also it was a kind of a good visual scene, just kind of seeing the emotion on his face as he looks around, and it's kind of coming to terms with it. So it was a, it was a good it was a good peaceful. ending to a movie. So you guys, uh, yeah, peaceful. Yep. So you guys got to want to get into some rates. 
Also, wait, fire. first off, I wanna first <laughs> off, for you rate, what do you uh what do you guys think this got on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I already know. Yeah, do you guys both know? Ninety six, right? Yep, ninety six. Okay, so, so that being said, do you agree with it or not? No. Give us your rate. Ninety six is really high. I think I think it was a safe movie, you know, kind of. You know, like they didn't really push any boundaries. And I think the, yeah, it's, the it's tomatoes, a character it's a character study. Yeah, I think the characters really I think the the tomatoes the tomato words really appreciated that. <laughs> it was like if you make it if the acting's good, the visuals are good, and you don't try and do too much, then I think the that's gonna get good. a good rating. The tomatoes. I, I think it's gonna get the good <laughs> good rating from the tomatoes. The tomatoes. <laughs> it's got a ninety six ketchup score. <laughs> All right, I agree with that rating. What are the enough of the tomatoes? What are the turboers thoughts and ratings? I'll give this a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I, Jake, Brian, give this a 96 Rotten Tomato score. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. I'll give it a like 7.6. A full 20% behind Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it, but I think like I didn't even mention it, um, but I do agree with what Alex said. Just about like the weird pacing and jumpiness of the movie. I think that alone kind of makes it a bit harder for me to rewatch, and I think it's one of those where you like, where you know the ending, um, kind of just makes you like not not very appealing to rewatch it. But I definitely enjoyed it, and I appreciate the representation of the deaf community in this film. So I'll give it a 7.6, and a lot of that is also carried by Riz Ahmed's performance. Yeah, uh, I'll give it. I'm in between. I think I, I think I'm gonna settle on an 8.25 because I really, my heart says eight, but Riz Ahmed's performance is so good. I want to go with an eight and a half, so I'm just gonna go right in the middle. Uh, like I said, it's kind of a safe movie. Didn't really push a lot about it. It's a good, it's a cool premise, and Riz Ahmed's performance just kind of really puts it over the top. Uh, so the it's oldest poster of the year. What was the poster? Yeah, oh wait, poster. I remember. I remember yeah, the poster, poster. was. Pretty cool. <laughs> I just him in the <laughs> this one. Yeah, that's cold. Yeah, air. yeah, it is a it is a cool poster. And also, then it's just a, and then it's just a really peaceful <laughs> resort movie after that. Actually, I'll give it I'll give it an eight point three. I'll bump it up point uh, zero five just because Riz Ahmed looked like he got really jacked for this role for some reason. So <laughs> eight point eight point three for me. Dude, I'd take any reason I could get. <laughs> You're going to have your shirt off in like two scenes. All right, that's it. I'm getting jacked. (laughs) We got, what, eight months till filming? That's all I need. Perfect. Someone load up the P90X. (laughs) Load up the P90X. What would you give this? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give it because uh, I really like the film. I thought it was completely solid for what it set out to do, but it didn't really set out to do a whole lot besides what it had like achieved. I mean, I had watched. That is Synecdoche. how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I was highly anticipating this film, as you can tell. <laughs> no, but yeah, I felt like there weren't a whole lot of ways in which it could have gone wrong and it didn't. And it, <laughs> you just keep saying that and now I'm trying to say it in a different way but that's exactly what I mean I mean <laughs> it was a good film uh, there's not a whole lot wrong with it uh, it was super impactful but not something I'd revisit nothing to blow me out of the water solid hard hard fought seven Socrates Ben this film says exactly <laughs> what it said <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. right, so that's the that's the review uh that's pretty much it for the meat of the episode i think we're gonna end today with uh talking about how 
the so Disney announced this is an article by The Verge. Never heard of it until this moment, but they released an article called The 52 Things Disney Announced Yesterday. Disney announced a ton of new upcoming shows, movies for probably the next like five years or whatever. Uh, everything from National Geographic to Star Wars to Marvel to Pixar, anything. Uh, you could probably name it Disney Announced it Yesterday. So a couple of things. Uh, first off, anything that caught your guys' eye? I know for me, I thought the Obi-Wan series, I'm very excited for the Obi-Wan series. I was surprised they got Hayden Christensen back to play Darth Vader, uh, considering how his relationship with Star Wars fans has kind of ended really terribly, like to the point where he had had to take off act, like he stopped acting for a while just because Star Wars fans treated him so horribly. Yeah, I know, but like... I saw a thing recently where he went to a Star Wars convention and like the fans were actually super gracious towards him. And I remember hearing that he was very happy about that because he didn't know how people would respond, but they were actually super excited that he came and they were very gracious. No, I think it's I, one of those things where people say more online than they would to your face, you know? Well, that yeah, when you go to a convention where like fans prequels. are. So like, what would you say, Jake? That and Hayden age just like the prequels. Like the prequels were hated 15 years ago, and now they're mm. beloved. And just like back then, I don't think anyone hated Hayden Christensen. Definitely some fanboys probably did, but they dislike his performance. But now everyone kind of just embraces how horrible the prequels were and just love it. So that's that's probably a little bit of it too. Oh, that's for, for me, for me, it doesn't really make sense why they're casting Hayden Christensen unless. It's for flashbacks, or maybe what my like what my dream would be is maskless, maskless Darth Vader. They wouldn't be able to pull that off because COVID 19s a myth. But um, <laughs> the Empire is just the anti-vaxxers. <laughs> that would make a lot of sense. But uh, I mean, from my knowledge, I believe James Earl Jones is still voicing Vader. So is he just gonna be like? He might be the body, body double. He might be the body double, and I bet, like you said, I bet they will have flashbacks because yeah. it's going to be Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor. Very, I'm very excited for the Obi Wan series. I'm, I'm, Calm I'm down. more excited for this than I was the Mandalorian. Also, Mandalorian's overrated. I haven't seen season two yet, but I just oh, know I'm not going to be. I need to watch you that. say it's overrated, and then you admit you hadn't seen all of it. I've seen season one. I haven't seen season two. Season okay, one. Okay, so you're saying season one's overrated. I'm saying the series is overrated. I've heard from you guys there's a few episodes this season that are. <laughs> I haven't seen good, all so. of it, but all of it is overrated. Oh. I honestly, so. <laughs> I'm not so sold on. I think John Favreau is a great dude, and I think he's made a lot of great stuff. But I am just not <laughs> sold on. A few of his past projects just haven't been good. The Lion King wasn't Jungle good. Book. The Jungle Book wasn't good. Hey, the he was Mandalorian's great, okay. Chef was good. I like Chef. Chef. But. So I'm just not sold on. I feel like John Favreau is. I think his my. I think his heart's in the right place. I just don't think they're executing it very well. Also, it's a TV show. They're not getting a huge budget for it. So, uh, anything else? Star Wars? Nothing else really. I'm not honestly. Mando. I'm not. I'm not entirely psyched about it because we didn't even talk about it. But there's some there's some lightsaber play when Ahsoka shows up in the Mandalorian. And honestly, I didn't think it looked that cool. Like, I mean, I thought it looked cool, but like, it looked like they were sword fighting instead of instead of lightsaber fighting. If that makes I any saw, sense. I saw a video on that the other day comparing uh, lightsaber battles in the original three, the prequels, and then the new trilogy, the Rise of Skywalker trilogy. And I bet if it's anything like the Mandalorian, like I said, I haven't seen season two yet. I like but, I like the Rise. But, I like how the new trilogy has done it. Or at least well, in the I, last... I, I didn't. So in the in the prequels, it's like hardcore. Like they're swinging back and forth. It What's seems all CGI like it, stuff? You, no, well, no, they're not. Have you ever seen them film it? They in have the prequels. The light, well, the lightsabers are CGI, but they have like actual like rods that they're fighting with. They took like <laughs> combat classes uh, compared oh, to the Rise of Skywalker, where it, it looks like they took one combat acting class and like, all right, you're ready. Because there's not a whole lot of like contact, you know, if that makes sense. So are we here to talk about the past of Star Wars? I don't know. Ben fucking brought it up. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> nothing else really caught my eye from Star Wars. Uh, Donald Glover's getting his own Lando spinoff, uh, a series coming to Disney+. Plus. I think that would be good just because it's got Donald Glover and Lando's an interesting character. Surprising he's uh, to do that. He is. I think, yeah, I think he is. I thought they said he is. 
Um, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> they're doing a lot of these. It's just TV. They have a new uh, animated show called The Bad Bunch about uh, a bad bunch of clone bad troopers. Batch. Bad Batch. That's what I meant. Uh, and bad, Diego, the bad Diego, guys. <laughs> Diego Luna is getting his own movie called Andor coming in 2022. It seems like they're doing a lot of... Is uh, Diego Luna the guy who did uh, Sid from Ice Age? No. <laughs> I don't know. Bro. That's John Leguizamo. <laughs> What's the difference? Diego Luna isn't John Leguizamo. <laughs> There's a Zootopia uh, Plus. <laughs> it just seems like they're doing... It seems like they're doing a lot of stuff that... Like, a lot of filler stuff in between the trilogies. It seems like what they're doing... Nothing that's really going to turn the franchise to something completely different. But a lot of solid stuff coming out for Star Wars. Uh, next is Marvel. I know we're not a huge Marvel podcast, but I felt might as well discuss it just because it is so big. Uh, what do you guys think about them not recasting uh, Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther 2? Good. Bombay. I think it that movie was still in such an early development phase because i don't even think they've started it because ryan cougar is that his name cougar he's doing like space jam 2 or whatever that movie is so i <laughs> i think they're waiting to start black panther 2 until that's done and so, until july 2022 yeah yeah so it's obviously very unfortunate but um they're probably just gonna i wonder if they're gonna do a cgi death or an on-screen death but I'm guessing yeah. they're just going to hand the reins off to Shuri. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hawkeye's getting a new his own movie finally starring Haley no, Stein. No, a TV show, I thought. It, it is. It just says <laughs> Hawkeye premiering on Disney Plus. Late yes. Plus. So that should be interesting. There will see. be an app that will be released along with the film in which you can see pictures <laughs> of Hawkeye, and then that is it. Yeah, yeah. so... <laughs> Download the download the uh what's his name? Hawkeye. Uh, yeah. I, don't even, I don't know if uh Jer- Jeremy Renner is even gonna be in it. I think it's gonna be his daughter. He's canceled. Uh, no, I saw I saw <laughs> I saw pictures of him filming with Haley Steinfeld. Okay. Yeah. Um. Obviously, they announced Captain Marvel two, which is directed by a black woman. Uh, nothing too. It's just kind of cool. I don't think there has been a black woman directing a Marvel film yet, so that's gonna be interesting. Uh, She Hulk, which Starring she Hulk. Sorry, Mark, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo is going to be in it. Uh, Miss Marvel. I hope, I hope he just gets. I hope he just uh, has a transformation surgery. That'd be so funny. <laughs> James Gunn. James Gunn's doing a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which is coming out in 2022, which is going to uh, start. Uh, it's going to come out right before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and then they're also going to do a short film series on Groot. So that's a thing. Uh, obviously the third Spider-Man movie is coming out, which is going to be insane. Just all the people that have signed on for it. We got a ton of people. It's going to be insane. It's going to be live action Spider-Verse and I'm all for it. It's just going to be, it's going to be like how Captain America three was just another Avengers movie. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be honestly, I I thought the new two, the first two uh, Tom Holland Spider-Mans, I thought they were okay. Obviously, the Tobey Maguire ones are iconic, and I even Rock. thought the Andrew Garfield ones were pretty good, just because I like Andrew Garfield. But uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I like what Jake says. It's going to be like a Spider-Verse, and I like Spider-Verse. Did you guys see that tweet where it was like, do I have to watch Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, 1, yeah. 2, 1, 2 before I watch Spider-Man 3? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Uh, so right, that's so- from Marvel, Marvin Lucas Films. Uh, they're making a Buzz Lightyear movie. Yeah, who cares? Uh, they're making a they're making a Lightning, <laughs> Lightning McQueen made her movie. What am I? What am I? A seven year old again, Alex? Why are you telling me about these? Uh, Ice Age is getting a spinoff series starring Simon oh, Pegg. Ice Age. Dude, are these people in Hollywood capable of making anything new? I don't know, but they've made like Pegg, seven Ben-Hazel. Ice Age movies. They've made like five Toy Stories. They've made three Cars movies. Just come up with something new. No, that doesn't ben, make money, Simon bro. Ben, are you oh, a Simon Pegg fan? I am, but I'm not gonna watch the new Ice Age. There, Ice Age <laughs> called Ice Age. Ice Age is called Ice Age not Adventures g- of Buck Wild. Wait, Alex, did you hear <laughs> that they're making a live-action Cars movie? I'm not really? doing that. They did my man Ray Romano bad. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then Will Smith, Cribs Hesworth have their own National Geographic series. Pretty stupid, but it's on here, so I might as well talk about it. Uh, you even bring up the new Fantastic Four movie. It's gonna be ass anyway. I don't care. I'm. That's actually like. Was good. I'm not really excited for any of the Marvel like TV shows like WandaVision, Falcon, Loki, any of that stuff. WandaVision, I don't know. That looks. Who's gonna watch that? <laughs> but the Fantastic Four movie actually intrigues me, just because I know that the bar is so extremely low. <laughs> and it's funny that uh, it's funny that Chris Evans plays two different people in the Marvel universe. Plays Human Torch and Captain America. Well, they're not gonna cast him. I know, but it's just he's still in the movie. Doesn't uh? Oh wait, no, never mind. They so just... also, uh, <laughs> this is the one that probably looks the worst. Uh, there's a new <laughs> Marvel series <laughs> called Armor Wars starring Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that's be about. <laughs> it's just like Battle Bots, but with Don Cheadle. <laughs> Don Cheadle. <laughs> Oh god! I, I, I don't even know what that's supposed to be about, but whatever. <laughs> it's armors warring against each other. <laughs> I feel like so the Star Wars movies, then the new shows, whatever they're announcing, I don't think they'll be like anything. I bet though a couple of them will be pretty good. I just feel like all these Marvel movies and shows are gonna be terrible. I don't think they're gonna have barely any redeeming qualities about any of them. Ant Man because uh, has Paul Rudd. That's about it. I'm excited for Spider-Man 3. Big oh, Spider-Man. Fan. I take back. Spider-Man Guardians, Guardians 3, just because I trust James Gunn. Your favorite but... movie of all time, Jake? Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it was in your top five. <laughs> Call back. Episode 1 of the <laughs> podcast. I, I panic. I still don't remember why I did that. Uh, stop denying yourself. You know it's true. Uh, <laughs> Jake goes back and deletes the episode just so... There's no trace. <laughs> I do have that power. But yeah, there's there's nothing else. Like Captain Marvel 2, there's... I mean... I kind of uh, agree with... I guess, I guess I'm excited for Mark Ruffalo and She-Hulk gonna nail those scumbags, but there's... <laughs> <laughs> there's like nothing. Racism, it's official. Racism is defeated. Obama wins. Surprisingly, so the, transitioning to Star about. Wars, we gotta wrap this up soon. But the Bad Batch does not excite me at all, just because like of so season seven of Clone Wars was awesome, but the Bad Batch is like not very interesting to me of like all the very cool things they did in there. So I'm yeah. guessing that'll just be like a short animated spinoff series. But we haven't I, even mentioned the new Ahsoka show i'm oh, so i thought i thought i did i think that's gonna be really good yeah no i'm pumped for ahsoka show just because <laughs> so i was talking with a friend of the program nate magic about this not a friend and uh it, it it'll be such a missed opportunity if they don't do this so luke skywalker um his biggest like one of the biggest things that he's missing in the original trilogies is not knowing his parents one of the biggest things that Ahsoka is missing is not knowing like what happened to Darth Vader and what happened to Anakin. So why don't they meet up for like just one episode and literally just have like a 45 minute conversation about like Ahsoka gets to tell Luke because he knew she knew both of his parents pretty much better than anyone. And then Luke gets to be like, oh, yeah, we redeemed my father. And now he's like a good guy and he died a good guy. And I yeah. like that's just the Star Wars nerd in me. But. One episode like that just casts, like, I don't know, Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. I've kind of seen that thrown around a little bit. Uh, he, Sebastian, if he's cast as Luke Skywalker, he's going to kill it. I just know it. it's going to be really good. But yeah, just Nerd like alert. just have like one spinoff episode where Ahsoka meets Luke and they just like have a conversation for an hour. And I would I'd die a happy man. <laughs> it's Euphoria special episode season one. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that was really good. I watched it. That's exactly what it looked like. It was just them talking. <laughs> so I saw, I think it was, I don't know. I saw on Twitter, someone said it was like really powerful in a way. Yeah. Because they're talking about addiction, aren't they? Yeah, they're talking about addiction and like purpose of life and stuff like that. 
I still gotta watch it. I'll watch Deep it as convo. soon as I'm almost done with the Soprano, so I'll watch it as soon as I'm done with that. But uh so before we end this episode, <laughs> I am once again asking Disney to make a rated R Darth Vader film where it's just him annihilating planets for two yeah, and a half no. hours. So it's not gonna happen. I it better. I will go to Disney and cast on my hands. Just Darth Vader. <laughs> wow, you want to play Darth Vader, Jake? Kind of selfish of you. Ryan Gosling is Darth Vader. Imagine a movie the drive jacket Vader over instead. it. Cast Jonah Hill. Cast Fat Jonah. Hill. Cast Michael Sarah as Darth Vader. Oh, <laughs> All right, we got to wrap this sucker up. Take over your planet. <laughs> Any uh, blow it up now. final Disney thoughts? Uh, it's a corporation that needs to be stopped immediately. All they make is remakes on remakes on remakes. Dude, I cannot. <laughs> so, Mickey I Mouse can't is... wait for Disney to Disney to buy A twenty four. Oh God! Can't wait for live action Toy Story. <laughs> all Mickey Mouse is a okay. All you guys are talking about all these. All you guys are talking about these dorky shows. I'm excited for uh, Emma Stone and Nathan Fielder's new uh, comedy uh, produced by the Safdie brothers. Wait, what? Yeah, you didn't hear about that. Uh, Nathan <laughs> Fielder's new show. Uh, it's him and Emma Stone playing a couple with an HG, HGTV reality show, and like oh, there's a curse placed on them. That's gonna be so funny. And it's directed by the Safdie brothers. Uh, he's got a new show on HBO, too, Nathan Fielder. He produces That's, it. He it's not start. his show. He just produced it. I think he created it. I think him and the guy in it created it, and he produces it, and the guy stars in it. <laughs> Did Mitch show you that video about the bread? No. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wrap this show up. Who cares? All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, The this has been the Turbo Team Podcast. We'll be back next week for episode 34, reviewing uh, Armor Wars. Starring Don Cheadle. For <laughs> yes. Jake Brend, uh, Ben Neeson, and Alex Powell, we want to wish you a uh, a good week and uh, good luck with the snow out there that's coming tonight. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast. Our social medias are linked in the bio. Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Spotify or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening. For listening.